of the Thinking Like a Lawyer podcast. My name is Katherine Urbino. I'm a senior editor at Above the Law. And today I'm joined by my colleague, Chris Williams, also of the Above the Law. Welcome to the podcast, Chris. Woo! <laughs> you will notice our compatriot, Joe Patrice, is not here, so there will be less sound effects and less annoyance, coincidentally. <laughs> uh, how was your weekend, Chris? Uh, it's a, it's a good weekend. I just got a uh, just got my second tattoo done. Um, Ooh, yeah. Is it like so, uh, deeply meaningful or just pretty art? It's deeply meaningful to someone. Uh, so it's a. Uh, <laughs> Are you that a, someone? <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> maybe one day. Yeah. So it's a it's a Sankyat tattoo. It's like a traditional Cambodian style tattoo, and it's like a supposed to be like a protection from like you know bad luck, you know things like that. It's. It's it's nice. There was a I I did like a small little prayer ceremony before I got the tattoo, but I won't even pretend to know exactly what it's about. I'll either have to Google or ask the guy, be like, "Yo, <laughs> what is this?" <laughs> but it look, but it looks cool. Um, and you know, if I ever find a need to wear some hoochie daddy shorts, it will peak out a little bit, so it'll be. Nice well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, listen, I hate to admit that I am fairly superstitious, but I am in fact fairly superstitious. So I think anything. <laughs> That uh, that can keep keep the evil spirits away is. Pr- I mean, what's the harm, right? <laughs> right, right. There's it's the old um, you know, the Nil, the Nils Bohr story about the uh, shoe, uh, the horseshoe. No, oh, that we have to catch you have to turn it up the right side up so that it catches the luck. Otherwise, it goes on the ground. Is that what you're talking about, or is there some other horseshoe story? Well, tangentially related. So Nils Bohr, he was a scientist, and like he had a barn, and he had a uh, horseshoe on it to like ward off bad spirits. But then one of his friends came to his house and he's like, you're you're a naturalist. You're a straight up scientist, materialist. You don't believe in this shit. And he was like, yeah, I don't. But I was told that it works even if you don't believe in it. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm hoping it's the same thing on my tattoo. Like somebody, somebody says it's protective. So hopefully that's good enough. Yeah. You know, I'll be honest. Um, I think I've never realized how superstitious I am until I was pregnant. And mm. then everything was potentially bad luck. I think for the first you know, you're not supposed to say anything for the first 12 weeks. And I didn't say anything for 20 weeks uh, because I kept on being like, I don't know. We should wait. <laughs> let's let's double check. Let's make let's really make sure. Let's let's wait until after this test or that test, because there's a lot of them. Uh, and every every I was like, this is this is just asking for trouble. Why, why are we why are we spreading our good news? This is just <laughs> the universe is just going to want to shit on us now. <laughs> Keep it to yourself. <laughs> don't brag to the universe. Universe, the things are going well. <laughs> so I, I didn't know Uber stitches was a thing until today, but now, now I know. <laughs> Supers for the normies. You know. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, how about you? Yeah, well, I, you know, coincidentally, not coincidentally, since I am, in fact, almost to do with this baby, but spent a good portion of my weekend putting together baby furniture. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Like, like baby Ikea or... Well, we haven't again because it's it's bad luck to get this <laughs> to get this crib too early. I haven't gotten the crib okay. yet um, because because then you know it's it's very bad luck. My friend's actually a very good friend of mine who was one of the people who threw my baby shower last weekend. She actually found um, a baby 
furniture store when she was pregnant that wouldn't wouldn't deliver the furniture till after she had had the baby. So while she hmm. from the hospital, she'd already purchased it and all that kind of stuff, picked it out, went to the store, picked it out. And she called them from the hospital so that they would schedule a delivery after she actually gave birth because she thought it would be bad luck to have it in the house mm-hmm. before before she actually had the baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. uh, so I don't have the crib yet, but uh, I did put together the swing, the bouncy seat, the playpen, all all accoutrement that you apparently absolutely positively must have for a newborn cool. infant. Let me know when you put together the uh, the college fund. I'll I'll put like <laughs> a, like ten or twenty bucks. Yeah, the, it's, uh, a, <laughs> it's a grandma and grandpa joint, I think. But uh, <laughs> that's cool. Well, I guess that's the end of our small talk. It's less fun to make fun of small talk when Joe's not here. I, I can't lie. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> he's complaining in spirit. You you know, I think uh, he's apparently very ill, so he's probably actually complaining at the moment as well. So Mm. we just get added on to his current list of complaints. So the first thing that we have on today's agenda is the New York bar exam. Uh, Apparently, you know, once you've already created the test and administered the test, you would think at that point the the hard work of being of administering the bar exam is over, right? The people have taken the test, you've graded the test. You just have to let people know whether or not they passed. That can't be the hardest part. Right? What happened? You'd be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> New York uh, bar exam for the February test takers was supposed to send out the notification saying that at midnight their uh, results were available. However, when you actually plugged in your information, it was, you couldn't log in. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, that that would have, that would have tormented me because me personally, because I I don't know about anybody else, but I was one of those people that had nightmares about failing a class after I had already graduated from the institutions. Oh, no. <laughs> so, 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 like, I woke up and was like, oh, shit, did I miss it? T-? Oh, I already got the JD, you know? Uh, <laughs> they can't so, get it back. Well, like, apparently in Texas they can. But, uh, right. yeah, so apparently folks spent the majority of the evening, uh, or the, not evening, because they don't actually let you know until midnight. I don't know why they've decided that that is the right time to find out, because only good things happen <laughs> after midnight, right? Uh, that's when you can log in to find out whether or not, and anybody who had a JD was unable from an American institution, apparently was unable to log in, but, uh, folks who would receive, or LLM folks, they were able to log in to find out whether or not they passed, Mm. but, uh, you could apparently find out, you could, you could register for the next administration of the bar exam. (laughs) You could do that. You just couldn't find out whether or not you'd actually passed. So they so, so they were still accepting money for the next test, just correct, great, correct. This one. Uh, gotcha. People were like losing their, sh- I mean, rightfully losing their shit, saying, "Is this mm-hmm. is this like a subtle way that they're trying to tell me that I failed the exam?" <laughs> <laughs> Like you sure you want the grades? We can give yeah. you time to register. Yeah, that, I mean, I mean, that lets you show that you know a company still has its priorities in in, in shag when it's like <laughs> paying us on schedule. That results. that they've got they've got that on lockdown. Uh, I know. Our colleague Joe wrote about it initially, and you know, query why, why after midnight is w- is when it's released? Why not nine a.m.? Why not in the middle of the day at some points? Because 
I think that um, all of the phone calls started going to an automated voice messaging services uh, <laughs> because they were not available to um, help people troubleshoot these issues. They were aware of the issues and working on it, but uh, we're not. no one was available to take people's probably irate phone calls. Yeah, I think at some point you have to just accept that people do things out of spite. And <laughs> releasing them at a time where there's literally no mechanism for like feedback outside of like mean Twitter posts. That's deliberate. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, listen, when I when I had to log in to find out whether or not I passed the New York bar, it was I I didn't see it. I didn't have the big picture, you know, at that point in my legal career. And it felt like I'm like, oh, they're giving us plenty of time to drink before we find out our results. <laughs> and then plenty of hours still left before the bars close at 4 a.m. in New York City. So uh, <laughs> that's that's kind of how I, I took it. I was like, oh, you're giving me a chance to celebrate and or drown my sorrows. I will be doing probably some combination of those things. <laughs> it was a bit of a debacle um, that, that, you know, folks are dealing with. But now, now you know. Now everyone knows whether or not they've passed the bar exam. So congratulations. To those to most who, of you. well, I don't know how good the bar passage rates were uh, yeah. around the country. They have just not been where they have been historically. One of the one of the fun things I think fun in like that cool, abstract, terrifying way. I do think that like as we see like AI continue to progress, like we can start to see properly like human things who become more absent, ab- obsolescent, obsolescent mm-hmm. at them. Right. So we're already at a point where AI tends to get a better score on the bar exam than humans. So it's like it has to be like a new level of pain. Well, like, they, AI is able to pass. I don't know that it's better scores, but they are able to pass. But I, listen, that's all, you need. that's all you need to have your to be for the score. amount of people that fail. <laughs> the AI is doing better than a lot of people. Calidus <laughs> <laughs> yeah. AI cleverly supports you by suggesting relevant law to address your complex issues. Put in simple questions or longer fact patterns, then Calidus asks you to confirm if points are salient before proceeding. Use Calidus to check if you found all the key concepts, cases, and statutes. Calidus turns that into a high-quality, customer-ready document. Handle complexity confidently with Legal's most advanced AI platform. Get $90 off your first two months. Use promo code Joe at CalidusAI.com. That's C-A-L-L-I-D-U-S-A-I.com. Hey, Guy, what's up? Just having some lunch, Conrad. Hey, Guy, do you see that billboard out there? Oh, you mean that guy out there in the gray suit? Yeah, the gray suit guy. Order up. There's uh, all those beautiful, rich, leather-bound books in the background. That is exactly the one. That's J.D. McGuffin at Law. He'll fight for you! I bet you he has got so many years of experience. Like decades and decades. And I bet, Guy, I bet he even went to a law school. Are you a lawyer? Do you suffer from dull marketing and a lack of positioning in a crowded legal marketplace? Sit down with Guy and Conrad for Lunch Hour Legal Marketing on the Legal Talk Network. Available wherever podcasts are found. So uh, the Clarence Thomas ethics scandal continues apace. Um, and I think the latest... Which, to be clear, you can, we can't talk about that because it will be racist. Oh, oh okay. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. Ted Cruz appears to have uh, inserted himself in the conversation. Uh, what, what's going on with him? Everyone's... Is it a Senator, Senator Ted Cruz? Senator, yeah. Yep. Texas Senator. Yeah. 
I stopped caring what role we had in office once I realized there was like a crisis in Texas and he was caught getting a flight to Cancun. Like once somebody like just leaves their authority to like that capacity, it's hard to give them an honorific. But anyway, Zodiac Killer. Now the the voters in Texas continue to do that. So <laughs> power, power to them. Power to them. Yeah. But as a non-Texas resident, that guy, he recently called out, you know, the the, the understandable frustration that people have had for um, Clarence Thomas having a sugar daddy for 20 years while still in the court and sitting on bribery cases. Right. Har- he got uh, he got luxury travel from Harlan Crow, amongst some other uh, gifts throughout the years. Yeah, a bunch of a bunch of goofy stuff. Like one of the last things that was um, that he reported before he stopped reporting it was like a like a twenty thousand dollar Bible that used to belong to Frederick Douglass, I think. Like just a lot of stuff. Uh, Crow donated a statue that was dedicated to I think like some of the the nuns that raised him. He like bought his mother's property, so he's technically his friend's landlord. A lot of stuff. A lot of his stuff friend's mom's happening. landlord without without charging her rent though. Don't worry. Yeah, and completely um, so above board stuff. Normal things. things very normal. Things, things very, buddies very do. Normal stuff. You know, like who among us doesn't have a friend that's given us you know. $500,000 worth. Of, you, you get the point. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And um, this has been happening for decades. There are articles from like 2004 calling out Justice uh, Thomas's uh, lavish gift receiving, which is fine in and of itself, but he's not reporting it. Right. And of course, that makes it you know hard to you know trust that a person is being transparent when all this undisclosed amounts of money is flowing from somebody's pockets to his, and he's not doing the simple thing of just saying it, which he's required to by law. All his other colleagues have been doing it. So it really looks weird for him to be the odd one now. Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, what was um, Clarence's excuse for not reporting the real estate transaction, he said, well, I didn't make a profit on it, so I didn't think I had to report it. Although now he said that he's going to amend those disclosures, which is, you know, at the very least an acknowledgement that he, in fact, has to <laughs> make those make those disclosures. Yeah, and for the other stuff, um, when the press... So how, wait, the, what, did, what did Ted Cruz do in all this? Oh, you know, like... Yeah, that was a story. <laughs> I, think, I think he just... Uh, I think he's, he just... Ted Cruz is one of those people where he's, like, just itching to get, like, a, a good... A good feeling, like, public uh, public eye. I remember, I think there was one there was one story where he said a thing that he immediately went to Twitter to see what his polls were. I think this was just... This was the same thing. He just wanted to be involved with having something to say about so, Clarence Thomas. He said that this is nothing more than people being mad at Clarence Thomas for having the audacity to be a black Republican. And no, it's the, it's the law breaking. Sorry. You know, like <laughs> it's the, it's the 20 years of a person in a high position of authority and influence shooing away at that, but then holding people accountable. Like it's, it's a really bad look for him to still be sitting on a bribery case. You know, like there are many things you could point to and be like, Oh, he just happens to be black, which I'm sure sure Clarence Thomas would also say. Like, this has nothing to do with his race. It has to do with the fact that, you know, he's broke the law egregiously for decades. You know? um, I'm pretty sure, like, it would, I'm sure it would hurt a little more for me to do, but I'd write the same types of thing if Sotomayor or, uh, God forbid, Kataji Jackson were caught doing the same things. Mm-hmm. And, and it's wild seeing, like, how the threshold for, what counts as acceptable action has changed over the decades. What was it? Uh, was it Abe uh, Fortas, the prior mm-hmm. yeah. justice who resigned? Got, who resigned over 
$20,000, he gave the money back. Both sides are like, yeah, you can't do this, bro. He's like, yeah, you're right. And then to go from that to, to Justice Thomas saying, well, my friend said it was cool. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah, it, even accounting for inflation and whatnot, it is a, a stark difference in the amount of money that we're talking about as well. No, we live in some corrupt times. <laughs> Which is, I mean, they've always been corrupt. Don't get it twisted. But this is like <laughs> super corrupt. Like, can we at least keep up appearances, you know? <laughs> yeah, you know, it is It is interesting. And, and I know um, Ju- Judge Ho, um, James Ho, also made comments uh, sort of brushing off the severity of this ethics scandal for Clarence Thomas. Uh, but... But you re- remember the line is the mere appearance of impropriety is what you're trying to avoid. It doesn't even have to be improper. It has to appear a little bit improper for it to be bad. And we have blown completely by that, past that and want to see, you know, oh, it's only a problem if he explicitly promised Y result for X amount of dollars. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a real difference. And, and, it, and it's also just interesting to see, like, across the, like, just different areas of politics, how people get mad at things. I remember there was once a time where people got mad at the president for wearing a tan suit. You know, <laughs> like, remember when people were mad at Obama for wearing a tan suit? But to go from a, oh. a sitting justice That was also over... disingenuous, though. So I don't know yeah, if they were yeah, actually yeah. mad about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> But also, again, like, the... the the, the threshold was so low. Like, you remember when they used to have, like, the... Anyway. Well, anyway. I mean, it was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there are reasons. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and also, not not necessarily judicially, but what's the name? It was, like, John Corrin being like, oh, everybody does this. Imagine if you ask all the senators that receive personal gifts, personal hospitality. That doesn't make it better. Right. Like, the, the defenses to this have just been like, oh, this is more... For telling from- on yourself, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a hard time to believe in the rule of law, really. Yeah, well, you know, welcome to the year of our Lord 2023, friends. Okay, uh, well, we did get um, some slight good news at the end of last week. The Supreme Court uh, issued a stay in the abortion pill case, meaning that the very, very questionable decision of Matthew Kaczmarek that was um, at least in part upheld by the Fifth Circuit uh, will no longer be in effect while it goes through the appeal process and the abortion pill will be as available as it's ever been during the appeal process. It was done by an apparent vote of seven to two um, and uh, with Clarence Thomas publicly dissenting and not joining the written dissent, though, that Samuel Alito wrote, um, but but dissenting as well. So we believe it's a 7-2 decision. Uh, but Alito got some... Alito got big mad, big mad about, about, the, about the decision. Uh, and, you know, his opening paragraphs of his dissent uh, call out three of the four female members of the court uh, for things that they have said about the shadow docket, um, Although Amy Coney Barrett is the third woman on the court that gets some of his ire because uh, Judge Jackson, uh, Justice Jackson hasn't had nearly enough time on the court to write stuff about this, about the shadow docket. But he calls out, you know, Kagan, listen, Elena Kagan has been very vocal about her opposition to the shadow docket and the way that the court has increased its use of this sort of extrajudicial judicial mechanism for lawmaking, as has Sotomayor. But I think that the key difference here that... Alito refuses to acknowledge is that by issuing the stay, they keep the law 
the same. They keep the access to the uh, to the abortion pill, which is you know incredibly commonly prescribed in this country, incredibly safe as well. Um, it keeps it keeps it going. It doesn't. It's it's quite the opposite that it isn't lawmaking, but rather preventing uh, this kind of bizarre extrajudicial lawmaking by people like uh, Judge Kaczmarek from from Texas. What was your immediate reaction to it being 7-2? Uh, I mean, not surprised. I, I mean, I guess, you know, that's, that's, those are the people who publicly dissented. It could have been a slightly different, you know, breakdown. But I think that Judge Kaczmarek's decision is wildly out of line with even Republican uh, talking points about, uh, about uh, abortion. I also think that if allowed, if this, if, if that decision goes through the Fifth Circuit and comes up to the court and they kind of endorse it, then I think we don't have a functional FDA in this country. It means we don't get cancer drugs anymore. Um, <laughs> I think that, that those sorts of repercussions are things that someone like Amy Coney Barrett probably cares a lot about. Um, <laughs> so I think that this is, you know, bigger than just the talking point, the pro-life talking points. But, you know, I'm I'm quietly optimistic that that you know, this will not be a bad decision, you know, because it will come back around, right? The stay just means that you continue to have access to um, the drug in the status quo, the same way you did before Kaczmarek got involved. It doesn't, you know, doesn't mean that the, that <laughs> at the end of the appeal stage, that this doesn't come before the court, the Supreme Court again. I think it's highly likely that it does come before the Supreme Court again. And we'll see what they do with it there. But it is at least encouraging that there appear to be a few votes in support of the Federal Drug Administration. You know, <laughs> mm. this is how this is how we've done things for a really long time. And I think that those who want to watch the world burn don't particularly care or aren't really concerned with what the repercussions are. But I think that there will be I think they will be vast. I think yeah, they'll be you, vast. You know, things are bad when big pharma's like, hey. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. There was like a list of like a bunch of like pharmaceutical pharmaceutical company CEOs that got mm -hmm. involved. It was like, oh yeah, there's too much money in this. <laughs> yeah, and I mean the, the the decision would completely unwork the entire way that drugs get approved in our country. Uh, it would be it would be wild um, mm -hmm. in the worst way imaginable. Mm -hmm. I think that that has a lot to do with why it was why that we have the current stay and why I don't necessarily think it is an easy conservative victory should it come back to the Supreme Court. You know, for generations, conservatives made their nut by pointing out that they were on the side of big business. Mm -hmm. You know, big farmer was their big friend, you know? Mm -hmm. And and I think that this really complicates the situation. It's like um, yeah. Chris Christie recently went on the attack against uh, Ron DeSantis because of Ron DeSantis's sort of vendetta against Disney saying, you know, I thought I thought we were I thought we were conservatives. I thought Republicans were on pro business. This is not right. pro business. This is a personal this is personal. This is not this is what I thought liberals did. This is not what conservatives do. And I think that there's this kind of push and pull, you know, in the far right movement right now between these policy goals that the more religious more uh, side of the party want to do when those that have just been pro-business and they're the ones that have been funding it for <laughs> that, that's where the money is so it'll be interesting to see how it all gets squared away yeah i think there's a there's some trouble brewing between the religious right and the religious right to profit 
<laughs> I think, I think, but yeah, I think it'll, they'll butt heads on the issue of abortion. I'm just waiting for there to be a religious gun case. Because <laughs> like, cause that'll be hard. Like, who do you support in that instance? And now you're right in the church. And I'm just looking forward to, not looking forward to like the optimism, but just like, these will be interesting times. What I wouldn't give to live in some precedented times these days. <laughs> <laughs> Could a thing be precedented for just, yeah. a, just a term? A good yeah. four years of precedent. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, we've seen this before. This makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that, yeah, I would yeah. love for once that to be my reaction to, to some news story. Oh, that, that, that makes sense. Not like, yeah. oh. What yeah. are, what what is the right wing going to do when they have you know their their anti abortion crusade come to a loggerhead with their support of big business? Hmm, who wins in that one? Because I don't think it's us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I wonder how many cases it'll be until you're like, you know what? Other countries look good. <laughs> it's, one those, it's one of those things that you know, every person I mean, has to ask. All right. Well, it seems like we are running low on time, but you should definitely check us out. Uh, we're on Twitter at ATL blog. I'm on Twitter at Catherine one. Uh, Chris the is on Twitter one. at the number one. <laughs> Chris is on Twitter at rice for rent. Uh, you should definitely be reading our stories at above the law. You can kind of get a preview of what some of our bigger stories are before we start talking about them on the podcast. You should be checking out the rest of the podcasts on the Legal Talk Network, um, as well as the Jabot podcast, which is an interview show that I host about diversity in the law. I think that that is all the things that Joe makes a really big deal about uh, at the end of the show. But those are the, those are things that have to be touched on. So uh, have a great day, y'all. See you next time. If you're a lawyer running a solo or small firm and you're looking for other lawyers to talk through issues you're currently facing in your practice, join the Unbillable Hours Community Roundtable, a free virtual event on the third Thursday of every month. Lawyers from all over the country come together and meet with me, lawyer and law firm management consultant Christopher T. Anderson, to discuss best practices on topics such as marketing, client acquisition, hiring and firing, and time management. The conversation is free to join, but requires a simple reservation. The link to RSVP can be found on the Unbillable Hour page at LegalTalkNetwork.com. We'll see you there.